It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down I was born. It is this podcast that puts the spotlight firmly on second place. Welcome back to another episode of American Loser, guys. All right. Uh, if you're familiar with the show, what we'd like to do here is we take a, a weird topic in American history and kind of put a little bit of the, the spotlight, like we said, on the losers, the, uh, the people that don't get as much coverage as they should. The line in your high school history book that doesn't get covered with any sort of a detail, and really it's an incredibly like complex story. Well, that's what we do here. All right. And if you listen to the show before, then you would already know that my name is KP Burke. I am your host. I'm a New Jersey-based comedian. We are here at a shared universe studio in Eatontown, New Jersey. Mike and Ming always taking great care of us, as always. Mike almost was our sound engineer tonight. He tried coming in on Big Kahuna's territory, and Kahuna, you had words for him, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I basically just threw him off the roof, kind of fucking... Yeah. Just Conan style, and I was like, "This is my land. You touch, you no touch, American Loser podcast. That's mine." I pictured him falling like Alan Rickman at the end of Die Hard. Oh no, it was more a uh, RoboCop ending kind of deal. <laughs> You're fired. Uh, no, that's beautiful. So that's our sound engineer, the uh, the one and only Big Cajona here. Of course, as always, my co-host for the show, uh, the guy. We've done episodes without you before, sir. Right? There you they, have. They don't feel as good. They're, they're still good, but they don't feel as good. My Delph of a dad, Larry Burke, is in the building. How are you, sir? Hey, we're doing just wonderful, wonderful. What what could be better than be driving through the team and pouring rain to yeah. come record another episode of American Loser? But we we're literally here. bridged the gap. It was almost building arc yeah. time. <laughs> we bridged the gap between the two uh, most recent uh uh, what, what do you call them? Uh, flash floods, right? Mm-hmm. The last two flash flood warnings we've had, we recorded the William Randolph Hearst episode, then sat in traffic for an hour, watching stuff get pretty dicey. Yeah. And then uh, we decided to come down uh, and, and just relive that same memory, but going south instead of north this time. So To the, to the point where they're closing the Garden State Parkway due yeah. to flooding while you're on the Garden State Parkway. So That's you didn't a little have too many options. Yeah. yeah, and then what will happen is uh, we were seeing cars go down uh, the south, uh, south end of the parkway. And then they'd uh, we'd be like, wow, they're brave. They're going through there. And then about two minutes later, you'd see the them reversing the entire way back. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, it got yeah. dicey for a minute yeah. there, man. How long ago was that? Uh, that was uh, the William Randolph first episode. Damn. So just this past, uh, Wednesday, I think it was, right? So now important here also, too, one of the regular guests we like to bring on the show is my sister, Carrie. And uh, she's starting to get a little too comfortable, all right? She's like, uh, she's bragging a little bit. She's, uh, she's a guest too often, all right? She starts like, well, maybe I'll come in for that one. Oh, hey, I'm available that day if you Listen, Carrie, all right? If you're listening to this episode, then I want you to confront me on this. But if you're not listening to this episode, it's because you only <laughs> listen to the ones you're on. And that's called narcissism, Carrie. And that's why we're bringing in somebody to, you know, level the playing field here. Returning guest for his third episode, uh, formerly 171 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. <laughs> my thank my you. buddy from the uh, the Wayne Valley Wrestling thank you, Team, thank you. Uh, Mr. Anthony Cianci. Thanks for coming back, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
It's good to be back. Thir- three times. I, I'm pretty sure you get a jacket for that. That's <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. right. Oh, you get a jacket, a belt, some T-shirts. With six, Perfect. you get egg roll. We're going to have to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, did you bring your punch card, Ant? Because that's the only way we can keep it. That's right, right. Oh, yeah, I did, actually. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll look for the punch. Damn, whose and idea was merch? I also want to tell your sister to confront you, not me. <laughs> Just make sure that's yeah. clear. Well, two former Wayne Valley wrestlers who both live in fear of Kerry Burke. So. <laughs> um we got a great loser today. Uh, we've been getting some really great comments. I mean, it feels good to be back. Uh, uh, Brad Frizzell. Uh, Brad, if I'm fucking up the pronunciation of your last name, I'm sorry about it, right? Uh, loyal listener to the show. Uh, cool guy from out in, like, the Texas, Oklahoma area. Uh, he was messaging me because he was fishing, and I was, like, you know, I was getting in from a gig at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. But he loves the show. Of course, Stu Greenberg, you know, you can't ask. And Nick Franco, all these guys that just do so much for us here on the show, man. Uh, some really great people. Really great groups, too, on Facebook that help us out. I just want to say thank you for all that. We are back, guys, all right? We're not going to try to have an episode out every week again. I had more fun when we were doing it that way. But before we get a little bit too started, I got to say one thing real quick. Kahuna, we got some. We got one of the nicest messages I've ever yeah, read in was, my life. Yeah, really I awesome. saw. I saw it on the way here. I had, I didn't get the notification for it. I was like, that is such a nice review. So uh, the guys, and now he he sends me a friend request. I think it's going to be a bot. You know, I was like, oh, what what account in Russia is this guy reaching out to me from? <laughs> yeah, right. What do you want to know? You know. But uh, the guy's name is uh, and I, uh, Carl. If I screw up the pronunciation here, I'm so sorry. I'm just a dumb kid from Jersey, man. All right, Carl Sundquist uh, sends me a message. Seems like a cool guy. I was like, oh, we don't no friends in common or anything, so maybe it's a spam account or maybe it's somebody who saw a YouTube video I did on something like the, the Roast Battles or whatever, but sends me this really nice message. So my family of five has been on a road trip from northern Minnesota to Yellowstone. We looked for a podcast on General Custer and came across American Loser. The kids got off their electronics and were truly listening and laughing. We have now listened to at least six episodes and are all fans. Yes, I understand. There are inappropriate moments for kids. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what made the giggles from the back seat so fun. What a great concept and brilliantly done. Thanks so much for being part of our awesome trip. The Sunquist uh, Sunquist family, sorry. And then uh, finally at the bottom there, give a hug from the Sunquist family to uh, LP. No one messes with LP. (laughs) All right, so... Uh, I got to tell you that I got choked up reading. Yeah, that, that was great. That's, cool. great. That's so, really cool. Very cool. Very happy. Very honored. And if you guys like the show, do me a favor. Uh, if you haven't left us a review on iTunes already, that helps bolster us up in the rankings, so more people like Carl and his family can find us when you search for cool shit. I love doing the show. We're not charging you guys anything for it. Come on, just like throw me a goddamn bone here, all right? <laughs> you know, this is my soul, people. But that being said. Uh, if you're supporting the show, I love you for it. If you're a first-time listener, uh, here's what we're going to get into. We're going to go right into the loser. We got a crazy loser this week. Everybody knows this guy's name. Nobody knows shit about him. That's a perfect category for a loser, right? Ooh. So, and like when I when I mentioned to you what the topic was, how much did you feel like you knew? That's hilarious that you just asked me that because I already had something set up in my head to say it when you say <laughs> okay, his name. There you go. But I, I don't know if you want me to ruin it and say his name or no. Go out. Uh, okay. So Burke last minute asked me to be on the show. Right, so I said, "Oh, by the way, who who are we doing today?" Right, I'd like to read about it a little bit, and he just writes one word, Geronimo, and I thought you were implying like you're jumping in, buddy. That's it. <laughs> you're just jumping right. right into it, and then That's I was like, right. "Wait, maybe it's somebody." <laughs> so luckily, I googled it and I, I found out. Yeah, yeah that unfortunately, yeah, it's uh, more than more than a catchphrase for balls to the wall. Here we go. Well, uh, I thought you were going to say that. Um, because you're a father of two two lovely kids, all right? Um, 
And I thought that, you know, when you were going to conceive them both times, you said to your wife right before, you said, uh, no condoms tonight, Geronimo. <laughs> so, I got nothing. And, uh, <laughs> and Mel, if you're out there listening, you are a lovely person, and thank you for uh, letting me borrow your husband this evening. Uh, Kahuna, what do you know about uh, Geronimo off the top of your head? Uh, nothing. No. Except I think, well, not in this context. Wasn't he also the name of a famous keyboard player? If I'm not mistaken, or you esoteric <laughs> son of a bitch. That's only a fact you would oh know. Oh my god, <laughs> that's that's Did you the, old... the third puppeteer for. <laughs> Shut the fuck up! All right, Big Kahuna is out. So this is the episode where Big Kahuna is just like, "Fuck this, I'm out of here." Mute in the mic. Goodbye. Uh, quit cursing, man. The Sunquist kids. Are <laughs> that's right. Hey, they gotta learn French sometime. <laughs> All right, well, here's what we got, because there's names uh, in our history and these moments that are pop culture references, but you have no idea why they're famous or iconic. Everybody knows who Babe Ruth is, but do you really know the story of Babe Ruth? You wonder. But as a uh, kid growing up near a lake, we would often jump out of boats with my buddy uh, Charlie Curcio and Chris Hollenbeck, both listeners. That's why they get the shout-out. You don't listen to the show, you don't get the shout-out. That's how it works. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> now, if we were lucky enough, we'd find a rope swing. And it was a fun one up in New Hampshire at Uncle Bobby's house we used to go on. Absolutely. Which was great. Yep. And as a kid, uh, when you would jump off a diving board, anything like that, one of the things you just knew instinctively to scream was Geronimo. Okay? No idea why. We didn't really figure it out. Today we're going to unpack that a little bit. So, uh, like we were always talking about, too, that's why we're going to get into it. This guy is just legitimately an Apache badass. Okay? Now, Geronimo was considered a member of the Apache tribe. And there's the, like, kind of break that down for yourself. You're my go-to guy for Native American stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, I've had a long fascination with uh, Native America, but uh, the Apaches were, you know, in any of the Westerns or the movies growing up as a kid, the, the Apaches were always the uh, the badass guys that we we fought, we fought the Apaches uh, to uh, make this homestead or whatever the case might be. But actually, the, the Apaches is a grouping of... Um, similar um, peoples but you know I think the, the white man or the, the westerners have a kind of a uh, a mixed idea as to what a Native American is you know is it the guy with the fe- feathered war bonnet going woo you know and uh, running around like Uncle Tomahawk kind of a thing um, that uh, the Apaches were from the southwest and they're primarily from um, in the area of Arizona, New Mexico, uh, Nevada, southern end of Colorado, uh, the southern plains. Um, and actually the Apache as a nation uh, was really made up of primarily seven subgroups. So, um, they're, they're Which out of bag. respect, and out of respect for those tribes, we will not be attempting to pronounce <laughs> their names. Yeah. Uh, some, some are easy, some are not so easy to pronounce, at least for this uh, Anglo, um, <laughs> that... The, the names of the are, you mean some are not so easy and then the rest are just nah that's not happening yeah today. right and and a lot of them were originally named by not themselves but by the the Spanish I mean the the first contact that the uh, that Europe had with the Apaches was the Spanish uh, conquistadors as they came in which is also one of the reasons why they were such um, really great uh, horse soldiers, if you will, the Apaches, because they were one of the first tribes to really uh, 
take charge with the uh, with the horses that were provided by the Spanish because they North America really didn't have the horse until the Spanish came over with with horses. Now there's a great story too about uh, Hernan Cortez who doesn't qualify as an American loser, but when Cortez comes over, he winds up being the guy who leads the uh, expedition and takes out uh, Montezuma and kind of the fall of the, the you know the, the kingdom of the Mayans, if you will. But what I thought was interesting is that uh, they say some of the first times that these guys appeared. Now, imagine that you're just a normal dude. You're hanging out. You're living in your, your ancient Mayan civilization. And then these guys show up that, uh, you know, you can't tell. When the Spanish rode up on horses, You they didn't understand that they were two separate beings. They thought that these the horses was part of them. So Is that called a centaur? Yeah, you're just right. fighting a centaur. Right. 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 Yeah. right. That's fantastic. So, yeah, so this centaur shows up and starts barking orders That's at you. In the language. Plus, but, they're showing up with these great uh, ships. I mean, things were enormous to to them. If you're, you know, if you're paddling around in a canoe or some kind of a little, uh, you know, two or three man boat, now all of a sudden these great sailing ships show up. I mean, they're great for the times, but you know, big enough to hold a whole a couple of hundred people plus <laughs> horses and provisions and, and everything. <laughs> and, and centaurs, yeah, you know, and these guys are warriors. Um, that, that's going to make an impression on you if you've never seen that before. I mean, think of the guy the first time somebody saw an elephant. Like, holy crap, nothing like that in my neighborhood, you know? Yeah, that dude's ugly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, what I thought was interesting here is that Geronimo is, uh, you know, he's a member of this Apache nation, if we will. All right. Now, the Apache kind of have this cool reputation. It's a, uh, they're actually a peaceful people. All right, but their reputation, like you were saying, Dad, they picked up was they're essentially the Spartans. That if uh, the Native American tribes are Greeks, then the, there's this Spartan thing where those are the guys you don't want to fuck with. No, they were definitely a warrior, but I was to say these seven subgroups, they didn't necessarily all get along with one another. Um, so, I mean, there was kind of like the family feud within the family. Um, and right from the get-go... Um, if you have the Spanish coming in here and saying, hey, that's a pretty nice place that you got here. Uh, I think I want it. You know, you're going away. Uh, you might have an objection to that if somebody, you know, comes riding in or marching into your neighborhood and saying, I like your house. Get out. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's basically what it is, is that the Spanish or then later the Mexicans were, were always at odds with the Apaches because, uh, you know, they had some pretty nice uh, nice places and then when you start discovering gold and that kind of stuff in there that uh, that's a game changer too to the to yeah. the neighborhood value so in the hour of content that i read i also i was intrigued to find out that right the americans weren't the only um, enemies of the Apache, right? So obviously it was the Mexican. found that fascinating, yeah. Yeah, well, cowboys and Indians, that was my knowledge base, right? <laughs> right. And then you found out other tribes, too, were actually their enemies. So right. So it was a pretty, like, long list of... Uh, I also want to just quickly apologize to any of the audiophiles out there that um, are upset at the, the beeping sound and the... We tried putting a fan on here, but, uh, oh, boy, that got bad. <laughs> I turned the fan off, and then Burke pointed it directly at me and hit the power button just now. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's not good. Old, uh, old fat kid's going to start sweating here. Right? So, um, but, uh, no, we're going to go ahead. We'll, I guarantee we'll be on time with this episode. That so, um, but these Apache are fascinating people here. And like Ant was saying, too, is that uh, they, they do have their beef with the Mexicans first because the Apache land is considered Mexican territory this time, which is funny because – they just have their ancestral lands. They don't have like you know they're not. 
they're not paying attention to the world politics of uh, you know Mexico is being backed by Spain, and, but there's a French interest involved, and then the uh, the European settlers are coming in from right. the America America's westward expansion and shit. Yeah, but I mean, the first foreign invaders, if you will, were the Spanish, and then the next was the Mexicans, and then uh, you know we're we're ramping up through through the his, uh, pages of history here that they're always at odds with these with these foreign invaders. I mean, let's face it, that's exactly <laughs> what they were. You know, this is my house, this is my home, this is my homelands, and now somebody else is coming in from from the outside and saying that uh, we're taking it away from you. Well, you're going to have a little problem with that. And the Apaches were famous for resisting that uh, that invasion. Well, they, uh, they let us know they weren't quite happy about it. And uh, we're going to cover that in detail here. Now, uh, what I'm loving about this, though, is that uh, in the American Westerns, like we talked about, like I grew up watching a lot of John Wayne movies, Clint Eastwood movies, stuff, and Eastwood was better in terms of how he dealt with it. Than he, and then John Wayne had actually against popular opinion because everybody just wants to label him as a racist for the time but that's when you look at him with uh, the modern zeitgeist you right. know, through those uh, uh, you know, revisionist history yeah revisionist uh, prescription lenses so um, but anyway he was actually really big on having authenticity too for a lot of the certain movies now there's other movies where you can tell he had no control right there's some very mm-hmm. uncomfortable ones but uh, that being said anytime that the Apaches got mentioned you knew you were in for a good fucking gunfight all right, because these guys, you know, that was uh, there's that great line in the Searchers uh, when uh, it was, it's Apache. They got you surrounded. Well, what are you figuring to do? I figure I'm getting myself unsurrounded. So Ward Bond in the there Searchers, you go. yeah, Ward Bond. But anyway, so uh, we're going to get into these guys here. They're really interesting people. They had issues like Ant was saying with both the Americans for the westward expansion, but also the Mexicans for their encroachment on Apache customs. The Apache were skilled warriors who also led like this migratory life. They're kind of nomads. Right. There's almost like a badass yeah. biker culture to them. The Apaches <laughs> were not the the uh, the Navajo farmers that uh, you know led a more uh, stationary lifestyle. Yes, yeah, isn't they the were, Algonquin that were entering into marriages with uh, the British on yeah, the regular? They were so. they were roam, you know, roaming around and, and um, dealing. That was their lifestyle, not not to be static or in one place. They they were the nomads following the herd or, or whatever the case might be. And uh, interesting looking stuff too, because a lot of the um, you know, it, you have. There's always this confusion too with all the other um, Native American chiefs and stuff like that. But um, what I thought was interesting is that first of all, Geronimo never a chief. No, he wasn't a chief. He was more of a, a healer, a medicine man, a shaman. One a sh- might say, right? Was a shaman. He always the son or son-in-law of a chief. Um, well, his his grandfather was a chief. Okay. And then um, he actually was like the right-hand man of the rightful chief of uh, of his tribe, if you will. But it's always interesting because people get that wrong. That's like one of the, the number one things they're wrong about the you know Chief Geronimo. Nope, just a medicine man. All right, right. <laughs> right. Um, he was a leader, but not necessarily the chief. And again, yeah, that goes- which can be misleading because people did follow him, and he was this you know fantastic warrior. It's almost like uh, trying to say like, well, there's this um, in Germany. There was this artist, you see, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> who also became chancellor of Germany. Yeah, he but. was a paper hanger too. He was a wallpaper <laughs> hanger. For a while. <laughs> um, but what I thought was interesting here is that uh, Geronimo was born June of 1829. And uh, you want to guess what state, Kahuna? Modern day state, I should say. Mm, I don't even want to guess it. I'm afraid of saying something real no, stupid. No, you're good. Uh, <laughs> if, as long as you don't say Rhode Island, you're off the hook. Um, <laughs> That's right. It was uh, modern day New Mexico. And at the time of uh, his birth, the land was considered part of Mexico, but the Apache were disputing that claim. Geronimo's grandfather was a chief, like we said. He had three brothers and four sisters. Geronimo's name at birth, all right, 
This is why I think Geronimo has a lot in common with you, Kahuna. Because um, <laughs> sometimes, some, like when I get Kahuna interested in the show, I'm so happy. All right, because that—that that, my favorite thing is when your jaw drops, buddy. That's when I know. <laughs> that's when I know we, we got we something hit, good. We hit something. Yeah. Like, All right, we're reaching people. But sometimes, out of the corner of my eye, Kahuna, when I'm setting those moments up, I'll catch you laying in one of the <sighs> yawning moments. Dude, right. you always come in here late. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's past Kahuna's bedtime. <laughs> so guess what um, Geronimo's name at birth was? Uh, Goyakla, which means one who yawns. Now, if anyone can correct the pronunciation of that, and one of you m- motherfuckers is going to come after me. <laughs> um, but, uh, Think of the families, KP. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it loosely means one who yawns. So now uh, after the death of his father, Geronimo and his family uproot themselves but stay within the Apache community. At uh, 17... He marries a woman named uh, Alope, or, uh, you know, Alope, maybe? I don't know how it would be pronounced. But they had three kids. Now, uh, that first wife of his, uh, and I put the emphasis on first, because in total there's going to be nine. Nine Nine wives? wives. Yes, nine wives. So Geronimo and King Henry VIII have something in common. Um, He winds up having – now, I I can't tell if they were all – you know, I, I can't tell how many of them coexisted at the same time, and then also Native American culture is a little bit different in terms of how they look at marriage and stuff. But are we skipping right till when he's seventeen? Because uh, there's a really great fact about a young warrior in the Apaches that I read, which could be fake news, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> could, could be fake news. Talk to me. So, spirit of the GI after, Joe. Uh, after they would make their first kill, it was custom that they would eat the heart of whatever they killed. Oh, so, uh, so then earlier I would have had to eat the heart of a uh, Big Mac. Chipmunk. <laughs> <laughs> we have to kill it first, yeah. yeah. Also, just run over a chipmunk in the street and go cut its little heart out. You run over it. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> go out to the street. Just It'll, rip its heart out. <laughs> it only had to be your first kill. Your new tribal name <laughs> so. is he who eats roadkill. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a vegan, you eat hearts of palm. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So, no, that is interesting. Now, we are getting over to the part where you're 17, so I, I like that you're on track with this right now, Ant. So stop okay. me if I miss anything else. This was the most interesting that I've been – out of the three, way more interesting. Oh, His he's, later he's, years in life, it's like unbelievable. He doesn't make sense. He he. The, there's a reason we prefer to He doesn't make legend. sense, and the U.S. government doesn't make any sense. Mm. Well, there's that part, too. <laughs> so, um, But anyway, uh, as we're getting back into it, uh, in uh, March 5th, uh, 1851 okay uh, he goes out into town with a bunch of the other men from the, the tribe and they're in town trading right with the Mexicans peacefully trading peacefully trading under treaty with the with the Mexicans mm-hmm. and a uh, a Mexican force of uh, you know the, the regular army over there uh, actually attacks the village that uh, Geronimo's family is being uh, you know, they're staying in and uh, among the killed and the slain in uh, this massacre uh, at a place, um, I wrote down the name here earlier, but um, don't matter. Where they were living at the time, uh, his mother, who was an elderly woman at the time, his wife, who was young, and his three young children, who were like pretty much infants, all get killed in this attack by the Mexican army. And Geronimo, almost like friggin' Wolverine, swears this never-ending revenge campaign. And from that day forward, I hate all Mexicans. Mexicans, yeah. So, well, the, the Apache have a long history of not getting along with the Mexicans back and forth. And it's been going on for 30-something years at this they point. They would make um, treaty, if you will, with certain bands of the Apaches. But again, to say the Apache tribe, there was so many different um, bands within that cluster within that umbrella of the Apache that 
just because I made an agreement with the Kahuna, that doesn't mean that KP isn't going to come. At, you know, his his band is going to come at me uh, yep. the day after tomorrow that uh, we didn't make an agreement with them. But the Mexican government, for years, it was also offering bounties on Apache scalps. Now, yes, sir. Uh, that's another. Uh, white man's misconception that oh the, the savages the Indians you know they were they were scalping people well where'd they learn that crap from well they really learned that's from from the white man I mean not that there wasn't Indians taking other Indian scalps long before the white man showed up on these on these happy shores but, but they weren't the ones who started it initially they kind of adopted it yeah though they hey you're gonna pay me a bounty for taking some, the top of somebody's head off. Um, that's a whole lot easier to transport than just taking the entire head. You know, I can just take the, the hair on the top of the head. That's yeah. uh, easier to transport uh, 20 scalps than it is 20 heads. Plus, it doesn't stink as bad. Um, but the Mexican government would offer $100. And this is back then, $100 for the scalp of a warrior, a male, $50 for a female scalp, and $25 for a, for a kid. I mean, it, you know, so... Men women, and, men, women, and children, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're paying for that. We're, we're paying good bounty for that. Now, at the time, if you had um, uh, two warrior scalps and a, uh, a, you know, a, a female Native American scalp, uh, you could actually use that in order to uh, go to a Washington Redskins game. <laughs> and that's where they got the name from. I don't know if you knew that, Kona. <laughs> Damn. You learn something new every day. <laughs> Uh, now, now what if the the Apache that was scalped didn't choose their gender yet? Oof. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, we're going there with this? Right. 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 Oh, God. Okay. Okay. They, they didn't understand much back then. There were signs, though. One of the, uh, one of the uh, Apache in Geronimo's tribe was known as he with a uh, lower back tattoo. <laughs> so. Way to lighten it up. Sorry. So We're good to go on that one. Yeah. So, you know what it was? It got heavy in here. We're talking about uh, <laughs> really? uh, women and children being murdered. And we're just like, oh, jokes, please. But anyway, so... Um, Geronimo swears this uh, revenge thing. And like you were saying, Dad, they, they already have this bounty on them. Because get this number, by the way. Between 1820 and 1835, more than 5,000 Mexicans were killed by the Apaches. This is before Geronimo gets involved. Right. Okay. I mean, so there's, there's back and forth uh, war with the Apaches, uh, with the Mexicans and the Apaches. Uh, both sides are... are scalping people and taking names kind mm -hmm. of a thing. So and and that not, was the other thing, too, is that... It's a, not a totally one-sided thing. It's like you said, so this band of Mexicans is going to attack that settlement of the Apache, so those group of the Apache are going to attack a Mexican settlement. You never get the people you're actually mad at, but you right. just kind of piss everybody right. off. Well, they all look the same anyhow, so... Ugh, it's hard. Racist. So, um, now, this group winds up rendezvousing. Uh, they, they have to escape from the town, okay? Geronimo and the rest of the, the Apache, they have to escape from the town... And they all rendezvous together, and they decide they're going to reach While out. While they were trading, yeah. Well, because once they find out the attack was going, they didn't know if they were safe in the town anymore. Got it, got it, got it. So they got to get the hell out of Dodge. They get back there. They, they confirm who's actually been slain in their camp, and they decide that they're going to take action here. And Geronimo's a little pissed off. So he's already talking about his never-ending vengeance and all that other stuff, and that he's never going to trust the Mexicans ever again. And he reaches out to, uh, they agree together as a, a group, I should say, they're going to reach out to another famed Native American chief by the name of Cochise. Cochise. What do you know about Cochise, LP? Uh, he's, he's more the warrior, uh, the warrior chieftain. He's not, he's not the, uh, the shaman or the medicine man. He's, he's, he's the badass. He's, he's, the, he's the military side mm -hmm. of, uh, of the Apache tribe. And I believe uh, 
um, Geronimo's chief directs him to, why don't you go hang out with Coach East for a while? Because if you're really looking to seek revenge, he's the guy you want to be um, paddling around with. Always reminds me of a... Uh... You know, one thing I would want to point out, too, to the listeners that and we say that they're at war with the Mexicans and the Mexicans are at war with the Apaches. Well, the Apache homeland is still now part of the Mexican territory, if you will. It's not the United States, although yeah. it's now modern-day New Mexico and Arizona and everything else. At that time, when his, his mother, his wife, and his three small children were killed, that, mm-hmm. was, that was Mexico. That was not the United States yet. Correct. And that plays in a huge, huge uh, factor. I think it's also people have said that that's a reason we remember Geronimo more fondly because he wasn't just the, the enemy of the United States. You know, he was – Right. You could admire from afar. It's like when the Eagles play the uh, Cowboys <laughs> and you're like, I don't really like either team, but I hope right. I hope they both rough each other up pretty good. Right, right. right. So, <laughs> hope somebody gets hurt. <laughs> yeah. So now um, they wind up uh, Cochise, you know, kind of – All right, one more time. Is it Co? Cheese? Yeah, Cochise. That's the easy way to say it. Co and then cheese. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cochise. <laughs> Got it. So uh, anyway, he winds up kind of stoking the fires of this uh, this vengeance thing that they're going to go after here. And uh, during one of the ensuing battles of the uh, this you know these raids, if you will, that are going on, the man who is literally known as the one who yawns, all right, because that was his name as, as a boy, if you will, um, he fights so viciously during this uh, you know little battle, if you will ignoring shots like kind of bouncing off his shoulders almost right people firing guns in him also and he's getting in there nice and close with a knife all right geronimo doesn't have he doesn't have a gun all right he said by the way his name's not really geronimo yet. that's how he gets the name geronimo right history is still disputed but some say that they believe that it was the mexican soldiers crying out to saint jerome praying that they would end the attack of the native american wild man so St. Jerome, Geronimo. Oh, wow. Jerome, Jerome. Right. Yeah. So uh, by the end of the battle here, um, he who yawns is now known simply as Geronimo. Right. Or John Wick. P- take your pick. <laughs> it, there is some bad. Ah, oh, dude, Geronimo really is badass, though. It's crazy. Um, I So I read, too, that you were mentioned how he didn't, um, he avoided all those bullets. Yes. And I, I, I read before that battle, he went into the woods and, like, kind of meditated. And a voice, I don't know if this is. But in fact, Jack? No, it's there's a lot of supernatural stuff. Yeah, a but lot of supernatural stuff he, ties in with him. So yeah, he said a voice came to him and said, uh, you will not die by a bullet, by a white man's bullet or something like that. So, well, he was so right. He got confident and then... But I also read that he jumped and yelled his name Geronimo, and that's how he got known for it. But that doesn't make any sense if it wasn't his birth name. Well, we find out, yeah, it's a, that'd be a weird one, too. Um, but we find out where some of the Geronimo stuff comes in, which is pretty – because there's a, a reason we link it to jumping. Okay. That we'll, we'll explain at the very got end it. here. But, oh, so that gave him – got it, got it. That's the badass point in the trailer of this dude's movie. What is your name? <laughs> and they don't even say it. They just cut to the title card. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> this summer (laughs) so now um, like we said things are not going good over here uh, and the uh, the Mexicans are afraid of the Apache to begin with already they understand that they're a formidable opponent right they're afraid of the Apache or they're afraid of the wild man now well they've they've had issues with the Apache right that that's the badass motors that's that's Hell's Angels kind of hanging out in your neighborhood and you're like oh you know we'll try to stay away from that we got but now there's a badass dude that's you know now you're putting a, a, a name and a face to this kind of tribe of people here. So Right. The Apache in general are all feared. 
and, and hated. Um, and and but at the same time, Cochise and and Geronimo are now like two of the main the main guys to hate because they're the. <laughs> They're so the they're the face of the, the, right, they're, so they're the face of the hatred now. Kinda. They're the ones doing the most damage. Correct. Now I always thought this was amusing too. We keep having to reiterate this, guys, because everybody gets it wrong. Geronimo was never a chief. People did follow him though. He right. had people that were because they saw what he was able to do on a battlefield. He was a very skilled tactician. A lot of cool stuff like Ant was saying too, with like some of the supernatural shit that goes on with him. But technically never a chief. So now one of the other things that made him interesting as a leader is that everybody respected this guy, but almost nobody liked him. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't a yeah. well-liked guy, but he was certainly respected. <laughs> they didn't like the medicine man? Or, like, wait, what was it that they didn't like about him? Well, here's was my theory. Just... Uh, a very great comedian named Patrice O'Neill used to say anytime he told somebody the truth about something, and he would get into it with women a lot, and he would tell, like, a woman a fact about herself or a fact about the relationship that she didn't, wa- she didn't want to hear. She would protest the, the information he was going to. He goes, he goes, I'm giving you medicine it don't taste good, but it's going to make you better. <laughs> so it's interesting that Geronimo is the medicine man, if you will, because people don't really like him, but man, is he getting some shit done. So, yeah. I mean, maybe it had something to do with the other name he also might have had, the man who yawns. One who yawns. Maybe he just yawned at the wrong conversations. Oh, yeah, people maybe just got just mad at him. Maybe he was just like, <laughs> like maybe some, some other tribe member is trying to tell him some cool shit, and he's just like, Oh, you know, fucking Geronimo. Why? <laughs> so like, so maybe he was just rude. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Maybe he was just. Maybe he was just rude. You never listen to me. <laughs> you always oh. yawn. Ah, sorry. What? <laughs> but no. Uh, so now Geronimo is uh, his name's already gaining almost instant fame here. Uh, the Mexicans are very aware of him, and like we said, highly skilled as a tactician, which led to the furthering of his legend, if you will. Now, there's also stories about his powers, like Ant was saying. He was rumored to be able to heal other Apaches and seemed to sense things before they happened and be aware of news before it reached him. Right, premonitions and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, And uh, we also explore a little bit of the reason why he might have actually heard voices in his head, Anthony. Um, you're familiar with Bonnaroo and Coachella, right? <laughs> A lot yes. of people. A lot of people on something, vision quests out there. Something fuels those uh, <laughs> well, get-togethers. Um, there's some wild stories here about this stuff. But uh, he's a very interesting guy, and his uh, reputation is preceding him almost all over the place. Now, in 1873, Geronimo finds himself in the middle of a still-heated engagement with the Mexicans here. So it's it, that, that war is not really quieted down yet. He and his raiders would evade capture by hiding in the mountains. Because uh, they knew the territory better than the Mexicans, so the natural advantage for it's them. their homeland. Exactly. It's their home turf. And there's still, you go out there today, and there's people that said, uh, you and I were watching that documentary the other night where they said, uh, you go out there and uh, you go hike these canyon trails, you'll hear drums that haven't played for <laughs> many years. So that's their ancestral homeland, man. You have no idea how much there is like a real like paranormal element to all this stuff. Like even though like we joke Roswell. about it. That, yeah, like even though we joke about it, like there's a there's a lot of that lore associated with like a, just the Apaches and that whole side of the culture. If that's a whole other deep dive if you ever want to oh, get totally. into that. No, they're, they're fast. That's why this one I, I try to keep the the topic to a person or just a, a topic that's so. But this allows you to jump into that a little bit. Yeah, it's so we're going to get our feet wet a little bit, but uh, it's you're absolutely right, that's, dude. That's, yeah, that's another whole. Uh, it's a whole study. So now, <laughs> they're up in these um, these mountains here, and uh, what they finally Sierra realize Madres. the Sierra Madre Mountains, correct? 
And uh, after months of brutal fighting, um, they go ahead and they decide that uh, the Apache and the Mexicans are going to attempt to reach a peace arrangement. The Apache arrive in the uh, Chihuahua province, all right, which is just very fun to say. Right. By the way, the Chihuahua province, uh, several of the major battles for uh, our boy Pancho Villa took place over there. And so Chihuahua is just, just south of the Rio Grande mm-hmm. River, which is going to also play a part in, in the Apache uh, history. Also correct. What were you going to say? <laughs> I just imagine a bunch of chihuahuas fighting in the desert uh, <laughs> with, with the Taco Bell one. <laughs> as the leader. <laughs> Sorry, oh, no. I could not picture that. Well, it's funny because we, we as, uh, as Americans, as English-speaking Americans, we tend to put this beauty on a foreign language because it sounds so foreign to us. Um, so I remember, and we will talk about this a little bit later, when I would go down to St. Augustine, Florida, when I was stationed in the Navy in Jacksonville, You'd go down there and there would be the beautiful uh, – like there's just this gorgeous uh, bay known as Matanzas Bay, which means uh, Massacre Bay. <laughs> right. And you're like, man, I don't think they'd sell postcards <laughs> if this was in English named Massacre Bay. And greetings from Massacre Bay. I proposed to my fiance at Massacre Bay. <laughs> As a Someone in Massacre there. Bay loves me. <laughs> I hope one of my friends goes there and gets a proposal so I could just comment, that's not what that means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man. So uh, they agree to this um, meeting, if you will, where they're going to attempt to uh, bury the hatchet, and they meet at a place called uh, Casas Grande. All right? Now, during the celebration, after the peace treaty, the Mexicans give their Apache counterparts, who they'd been warring with and are now celebrating with at the end of the hostilities here, something known as mezcal, which is a alcoholic drink that can also lead to some intoxication and potentially some, you know, supernatural abilities, if you will. Imagine that party. So you're telling me is the Apache tribes bring all their... Yeah. Hell's Angels uh, came yeah. by to hang out with MS-13. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of drugs are they bring to that party? <laughs> so if you smoke the meth while you snort the coke, that's how you see the music. You understand? <laughs> So they bring in uh, this mezcal and they get um, all of the Apache uh, very, very intoxicated. And while they're intoxicated, in almost a Game of Thrones red wedding type moment, the Mexicans then launch their attack and instantly kill 20 of Geronimo's men. They capture many more, Geronimo and others, able to escape what became known as the massacre at Casas Grande. You killed his wife. You uh, killed his mother. You killed his mother. You killed his children. All right. His he goes to, to war die. with you. Three kids, right? Yep. He goes to war with you. He's formidable out in the hills there. So now you lure him back in. You're like, finally, a chance to end this. You know, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go back to my life here. And they pull that shit. He already swore undying vengeance to us. Now he's going to call us treacherous, all the other nasty things he could possibly. He hated the Mexicans. Until his dying breath, he hated the Mexicans. Right. So now I thought this was interesting too. As the U.S. is expanding westward now, Geronimo increasingly becomes more and more of their problem. (laughs) Mexico is almost too happy to hand over to the United States. Oh, I understand we lost a war, but hey, uh, the territory we're going to give you. uh, By the way, there's there's an element in town. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah, congratulations. There's already some locals. Right. Yeah, it's almost like a, uh, you know, just moving in, like, there goes the neighborhood. <laughs> Good luck with that. We've so, been dealing with it for a Trying to bring in some years. gentrification. <laughs> Shit, already. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like when the U.S. showed up in Vietnam, and they're like, the French said we could have this. <laughs> so, 
Um, but now they get out there. They're almost too happy to, to hand this land over and the problem of Geronimo over to the Americans. Geronimo was able to escape pursuit by the American forces, often due to his deep knowledge of the lands. Again, it's his backyard, all right? The, uh, he's, it's his backyard, man. The, the people living in the house are changing, but it's still his backyard. Right. So, the landlord is, well, the landlord might be different, but it's, yeah. it's, his, it's his property. It's, so, his, it's his homeland. Which works out perfectly now. He's able to continue to escape all the time. One story includes Geronimo being chased into a cave where the American forces, they finally surround him. They got him dead to rights. All right, he goes into the cave. They're like, we're going to starve this bastard out. We got him. No way he's getting out. And then uh, like one of the other scouts comes and goes, hey, did you guys see Geronimo running about like three miles away over there? And they're like, no, no, no way, man. So then they send guys into, like, there has to be a back exit. So there has to be, like, another. It's not truly a right. cave. It's a tunnel. Right. So they walk in, and, and to this day, they never found the second exit that he came out of. So Geronimo had this mystical quality again. He's able to evade <laughs> capture. So. He's in the tomb, but he has risen again. He's one with Ooh. the Matrix. <laughs> Ooh, deep. New Testament layer, huh? <laughs> He's yeah, one well. with the Matrix. There you go. So uh, now his uh, reputation as mystical continues to grow here, too. And that cave still exists and is known as Geronimo's Cave. It's actually a hiking trail you can go on. So Hell no. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Hell no. You, you go there right after Massacre Bay. It's right. Sure. <laughs> um, so Geronimo's Cave is uh, – that, that, I thought that was a great story. I wanted to tell that one. He also invades capture from literally thousands of both Mexican and U.S. forces, often playing them against one. So now the Apache, the, there's this idea, uh, you hear the term Indian giver, and it's always done as uh, an insult. Or a negative connotation to Indian giver. Yes. Right? Um, someone will hand, you know, they'll, they'll give you something and they'll ask for it back. I'm like, oh, you're being an Indian giver. You know, I got you this nice present, but I want to play with it too kind of a thing. So um, anyway, the reason why they say that was – we didn't like we didn't understand that they just didn't understand property the way we did. We're sitting there where we had to have like a, you know uh, a, you know Calvin and, and Locke and all the other people had to sit there and explain what property was and individual liberty and personal freedom and shit in order to establish what was becoming the United States. Some get over and these guys are like, oh yeah, well the rock that right there it uh, belongs to everybody. So I mean I'm gonna give it to you right now, but in about thirty minutes I'm gonna need it back because I got to give it to this guy because it's his too. So they didn't really understand that. So now what always made me laugh here is that. The Apache also clearly did not understand uh, how the maps were being drawn up for territories, okay? There's no line in the sand that says, like, oh, over here is uh, New Mexico and here's Arizona. Right. The four corners were <laughs> yeah. a little beyond him. We invented that shit. <laughs> That's right. People forget that all the time. There's a, there's a hilarious line in a, an awful movie that's very fun to laugh at. It was uh, Battlefield Earth, um, yeah. the one with John Travolta, right, Kona? So there's a hilarious one where, uh, you know, it's these, you know, humans in like a post-apocalyptic world and they're, the humans are up in the, uh, a spacecraft for the first time. They're flying over uh, the United States and they're showing the map. He goes, this used to be the United States right here. He goes, what happened to the letters over? He goes, they probably faded away with time. <laughs> <laughs> can't, see, can't see them anymore. Always made me laugh. Well, just that whole border thing too. I mean, the United States and, and uh, Mexico, the Mexican government actually went to war post uh, the war after the war in Texas, right? Where is the exact boundary uh, for Texas? Is it the Rio Grande River or is it you know a bunch of miles north of the Rio Grande? And uh, General uh, General Polk, President Polk, they they nicknamed the the war with Mexico. There's Polk's a Facebook war. feature named after him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that you know where is the uh, where is the U.S. border? Well, turns out 
once we went to war with Mexico, we picked a fight with Mexico, invaded their country and captured their city, then they relinquished um, the southern half of the United States, the southern southwestern end of the United States uh, at the conclusion with the war with Mexico. But, you know, that was that was so completely foreign to uh, the Native American point of view that how can you possibly have a border? I mean, our, our homeland is both north of the, of the Rio Grande and south of the Rio Grande. Are you talking about uh, going into Chihuahua? Well, that was, that was all part of their homelands. Which makes me laugh here now because one of the things that Geronimo was so successful at was, uh, and you grew up with sisters, all right? Um, did you have, uh, if you got like in trouble, you'd run into one sister's room because the other sister couldn't chase you in there? Um, no, I'd run into my own room because he used to gang up and beat the shit out of me. <laughs> I forgot you had I thought, two very lovely now, but at one time, hyper-violent young lady. So. That was pre-Wayne, yeah. Well, now my day, uh, like the move we used to have was um, if you could run, uh, my sister would do this all the time. She would do something to piss me off. Then I'd go to do something about it, and then she would run and make sure she, you know, found a parent real quick to stand next because, well, you won't hit me in front of the parents. That was almost yes, the move, so. yes. Um, so that's almost what Geronimo's doing here, where it's like, oh, the Mexicans are after us. We better go hide in the United States side of town, all right? And then when the American forces are closing on him, he goes and hides back over into Mexico because he knows the two of them aren't going to go into each other's territory because the tensions are so. Uh, it's. Let's put it this way. They don't the play war's well over, but they're not. Yeah, yeah they don't play well. It, shit still ain't really good down there if you think right. about it. So, But uh, that always made me laugh that he was able to do that. It should be noted here, um, like we were saying, though, that, um, again, this is Geronimo with his band of people. The band could go up to uh, somewhere in the hundreds. Uh, at one time, there was about almost uh, 1,000 uh, men and women that were following him. And then uh, at the, the lowest times, it was about like maybe 38 people, I think. But he always had a crowd with him. So... Um, now, because he's able to get back and forth into Mexico and the United States, and there's more and more settlers looking to move west, and the United States needs the settlers to go in there because in order to get out of debt, the original move of the United States was we could always sell land. So, uh, the deficit, the deficit's it's going through there. Well, let's just sell some of the land to the people and then make money off that. And then the problem is we eventually ran out of land to sell. But um, that's why we're inventing Space Force. Now we're going to sell the moon. So. <laughs> But, uh, Wasn't gold a big uh, factor? Yes. Gold was becoming yeah. a huge factor too now. Now the people that want to settle out here, the issue they're having is that, uh, that they're terrified of the guy who's become known as the deadliest Indian of all. The U.S. is now forced, forced to launch what becomes known as the Geronimo campaign, which at its height – tell me I'm right here, Dad. At the height of the Geronimo campaign, a fourth – and a literal fourth, one quarter of the United States Army is in pursuit of a man who was once known as the one who yawns. That's it. That's so, it. That's crazy. Talk to me about the Geronimo campaign for a sec, LP. You know more about this. He than yawns I at your attempts to catch him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just what you said that uh, you know enough pressure was put on um, the U.S. Army now to go out and, and let's let's deal with this guy. I mean, we're talking about one renegade Indian that at this particular point. The, uh, the United States came up with this whole concept of, well, we have a Native American or an Indian problem, and they want their property, we want, we want their property. So what we're going to do is we're going to create Indian lands, which then morphed into reservations, and we're going to give each one of these Apache bands, if you will, these subgroups, their own little reservation. 
and the uh, Chiricahua Apache, which Geronimo was part of, they gave, or they carved out a small section um, of a reservation, if you will, that that's where the Chiricahua Apache were going to go. And then there was another small reservation for a different band and a different band. And, uh, you know, for a people that were nomadic in their, in their way of life, to now be forced to stay on one small spot, at least at the beginning, the Chiricahua Reservation was pretty much the heart of their former lands, if you will. But then the United States government said, you know what, let's consolidate shit because that's a pretty nice piece of property you got there. You know, this wasn't the, the uh, arid, barren desert. Uh, this was uh, mountainous streams, woodlands, that kind of thing. Pretty nice choice property. Plus, there's also the possibility that maybe some more gold going to be found there. So that's just too nice a piece of property to give to, mm -hmm. to Indians. So let's consolidate. And Geronimo took exception to that, and he, he skipped out. He skipped out as a total of three times off the reservation. Uh, they called them breakouts, too, which breakouts, I thought was pretty badass. Right, right. That was, uh, makes, you can picture uh, – you know, he, Thin Lizzy playing in the background. He's off campus, and uh, <laughs> that ain't good. And so they'd send out um, army uh, units to, uh, in pursuit of him to try to capture him. Now, I, I did like that it was a tale of two generals, if you will, in terms of the Geronimo campaign. I don't want to get too far ahead here, but the guy who originally was brought in is this guy. A little bit of a misgiving for a last name. His name is Crooks. Okay. So Crooks, not a Crooks. great name, but... Crooks was a good man, and one of the things that he said to Geronimo, which I thought was kind of cool, is uh, you hear the name Crooks, Ant, what do you think? Crooks. You're Crook. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. This guy had some honor, though. He One of his uh, main tenets was never lie to an Indian, right? So, uh, and he would try to make their lives better. He promised he was going to try to help things out on the reservation. He's actually able to get Geronimo to return to the reservation, okay? Uh, but then he bails as soon as he realizes that Crooks can't actually keep his promises. Now, one of the things that was screwy well, here— Crooks made the, the promise with good intentions. But oh, yeah. once he once Geronimo got back to the reservation, then things went south. And it wasn't by the doings of Crooks. It was by the doings of the of the hierarchy, if you will. Right. You've got to remember that the, the zeitgeist of the time, if Ooh, you will— Larry. We're coming back to that. <laughs> that the only good Indian is a dead Indian. Uh, you know, to some, th th to some, to some. Yes. Th 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 there's a an overwhelming uh, section of the populace of the uh, of the white populace of the U.S. settlers, if you will, that the only good Indian is a dead Indian. Um, there was a a famous quote from a guy who was a uh, a volunteer army officer recognized during the Civil War for defeating the, the Confederates. He was from Colorado, this guy by the name of John uh, Shivington. Shivington makes this quote, damn any man who sympathizes with Indians. Kill and scalp them all, big and little. Nits make lice. Says the man who has the last name of a prison knife. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Shivington. Uh, Shivington, <laughs> yes. But, you know, he was... Uh, he, he was paraded through uh, Denver. I mean, we're a little north of uh, Apache territory. He's more with the Cheyenne and that type of thing. But th that was the, the general attitude. There wasn't, there wasn't a division in anybody's mind about, well, those are Cheyenne, those are Sioux, those are Arapaho. It was like, if you're an Indian, <laughs> you deserve to die. Um, you're just getting in the way of progress here. And uh, 
you have no reason to, to be. Same thing on the other side, too, is that there were tribes that were more friendly to dealing with the United States. And then there was also other tribes that were like, I will make war with the white man until I die. Now, Geronimo's interesting because everybody thinks he's going to be in Camp B, right? That he's going to make war with the white man until he dies. He doesn't really hate the United States with the passion that he hated the Mexicans right, right. with. So. He might dislike the, the United States, but he absolutely despises the Mexicans. Yeah, don't fuck with my homeland is the right. argument with uh, – right. you know. Or kill my mother and my wife and my two Yeah, kids. It, it's, a, it's a land dispute versus, oh, uh, yeah, the people who murdered my family. Right, right. So I thought that was interesting though. So uh, now – this kind of is a weird thing here, too, because uh, there's a, a take-no-prisoners approach to Geronimo's raids. Now, that was done halfway to be brutal and then also halfway to uh, drink some of these raids. Make sure nobody finds out about you, right? Leave no witnesses, right? No survivors, no witnesses. That's fair enough, right? But uh, he had some crazy things going on here, too. Now, like we said, a fourth of the U.S. Army is in pursuit of him here. Crooks is able to bring him in. When Crooks realizes he's not going to be able to execute a fair deal for Geronimo and the people on the reservations, he requests to be relieved. He goes, screw you guys, I'm going <laughs> right. home. He, he, he made promises to um, to Geronimo, gets him to come back and to Naichi, the reservation. who the was res- the, the, the true chief of the Apache, right? Right, gets him to come back to the reservation, kind of trying to patch things up. And then, you know, he's underhandedly dealt with, and then uh, Crooks resigns or is relieved of command, if you will, and the new guy comes in, this uh, General Miles. Well, Miles is a little bit different, too, because he was kind of a, a modern warfare guy. Like, we're going to use cannons on you. We're going to use the cavalry, everything we can possibly get. We're bringing get in all, all manner of forces. Fire Crooks, everything. Yeah. <laughs> Crooks, Crooks also took on the tactic that the only way we're going to catch an Apache like Geronimo is by using other Apaches. Mm-hmm. And there were other Apaches who were more than willing to act as scouts to go find where he's hiding and that where whether it be in the Sierra Madres or what, wherever he might be hiding out. Because there's another reason Geronimo was not popular was because he wouldn't accept things from the white man. Right. Plus the so. fact he's going around killing other whites and giving the Apaches a bad name so that everybody is judging the Apache by what Geronimo is doing. Yes. All right. I mean, there's... There's good Indians and there's bad Indians, or there's, you know, uh, we won't bring it into a <laughs> I, I laugh at the time, foreshadowing but, of the right. bad Indians line, because we're going to get to in a minute. Um, but uh, as, uh, as we're moving forward here, um, the people who are loyal to him are loyal to him because of his results, right? And his uh, refusal to end the Apache nomadic way of life by confinement to a reservation, like you said. So you're telling this guy, you're literally telling this fish to fly. He ain't going to do it. But... Due to that take-no-prisoners attitude, Geronimo is also considered to be a bloodthirsty butcher by many American settlers, and his exploits are getting followed very, very closely. The Americans are more successful than the Mexicans in tracking him due to, like you said, their use of Apache scouts in order to hunt down their own tribal brother. That was definitely, though, um, looked down upon by a lot of the people within the military. Uh, It destroyed Geronimo, too. There's no way you're going to trust an Apache Destroyed him, as in that's how you ended up getting like captured, or well, like it, it emotionally devastated him because it was the idea that where he was hiding out in these ancestral lands of the Apache. Um, now, like, all right, so let, let's let's put it this way, Aunt, you got a very nice house that your uh, family has down in Long Beach Island. All right, it's a very nice house. Now okay. you you brought me you down there one this. time. All right, uh, now imagine I start bringing um, other people down to your family's beach house. 
you're going to have a problem with that, right? What do they call that? Bennies? Bennies. <laughs> yep. uh, the Bennies coming yeah. into our ancestral homeland on the Jersey Shore, <laughs> betraying the people, building a boardwalk, fighting at Midway Cheesesteak. But so uh, now he's bothered by this because he's hiding up in the ancestral land, so nobody's supposed to be able to find him. But now the other patch are giving away the giving secrets. Away the, right. It's like a, a magician going out there. Family going, secrets. You know there's two doves, right? <laughs> you know that, right? <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't consider that treasonous. What's the line in The Godfather when you never talk? Uh, uh, never go against the family in, no against in front the of family anyone. No against the family and somebody outside the family, right? So uh, it bothers Geronimo no end because his hiding spots are now being discovered by the other Apache. And his numbers continue to dwindle due to death and abandonment. And it's not looking good, all right? If you're constantly on the run, too, it's it's hard to uh, restock and resupply, too. Well, it gets tough. And then, like you said, General Miles is hunting him down with all this artillery known to man. Now, uh, he decides that it's time to surrender, okay? And he agrees to meet with U.S. forces at a location of his choosing. For three days, the two parties negotiated back and forth. Uh, the Americans offered some mescal to uh, Geronimo, who wisely said no. So <laughs> I'm kidding. They didn't show up with any mescal. That'd be <laughs> fucked up. So... Um, now, during the three days here, during this time, a gentleman by the name of C.S. Fly, another poorly named son of a bitch, um, C.S. Fly is a photographer who has taken the only known photos of Geronimo and his sons. These are cool pictures. I'm going to put them up on the Instagram. Um, and uh, after the three days, they agree to terms that are still disputed, by the way. There's the idea of a conditional versus an unconditional surrender, the idea of whether or not he was a war party leader. And you know, uh, is he a prisoner of war or is he a criminal? What's he going to be? And depending on who you talk to, you get a different story. Geronimo's like, "Oh, I'm a prisoner of war," but then the the people who the only good Indian is a dead Indian are like, "Nope, that's that's a murderer. We He's just a caught criminal. a murderer." Right. So, um, now it's interesting here. They're not drinking mezcal, but the uh, Native Americans they do enjoy the whiskey. At least the guys in Geronimo. I mean, who wouldn't after <laughs> fighting a war in a mountain in right. Arizona? I mean, a little whiskey goes a long way. So. Geronimo's men actually receive a warning from a U.S. soldier who happens to be selling them the whiskey. Yeah, that once they once they start coming around, mm -hmm. uh, then this one idiot starts handing out the whiskey, and so they, you know that they're going to hang you when you when you get back to the reservation. Right? Yeah, as soon as you cross into American territory, they're going to open fire on you. Is what right. he was warned. And uh, after what happened at Casas Grande, you know, when dealing with the Mexicans over there, Geronimo's not going to stick around to find out. He says, fuck this. And in the middle of the night, they just make their disappearance, if you will. So Geronimo is able to escape or break out of the reservations before this and unparalleled three times. All right. Now, in 1889, here's some, some two pretty interesting guys that are going to come in on the, the United States side of things. Captain Harry Lawton of the 4th Cavalry and Lieutenant Charles Gatewood. Whom the Apache? Which, yeah, I loved this fact because <laughs> <laughs> I read it online. I love what they call him. It's so good. So Charles Gatewood, who looks like he looks like a Manning brother. All right, um, Lieutenant Charles Gatewood, whom the Apache would come to admire, despite their nickname for the Native Americans had. A, they were so on. They didn't understand how to lie really. So they would they'd be so <laughs> honest with you that it's almost like if you want to really know what you look like, ask a child to draw you. So. <laughs> Poor Lieutenant Gatewood, who's speaking some Apache to the Apache and showing this ultimate respect to them. That's not, you know, the only good Indian is a dead Indian. And then this Gatewood guy is like, I'm going to learn your language and communicate with you, human being to human being. And they called him, uh, oh, long nose. He speak the Apache. <laughs> 
So this poor <laughs> bastard's name is Long Nose to yeah, them. That's fantastic. Uh, they take over the uh, Captain Harry Lawden, the 4th Cavalry, and Lieutenant Gatewood take over um, the, uh, the, the, the endeavor, if you will. And uh, the operation is now in their hands, and they have the duty of returning Geronimo to the reservation now for a final time. The agreement is, and Kahuna just pulled a picture of him. <laughs> you know what he looks like? He looks like if Eli, Peyton, and Drew Brees all got coagulated into one perfect quarterback. A little bit of a little bit of Don Draper from Mad Men too. Oh, John Ham, yeah. Um, to be fair, that is a big nose. Yeah, and that's not that's not even a side profile. <laughs> also true. Yeah, yeah, we have no idea. He yeah. could have a nice hook in that thing. We're right. not aware of. Right. But, so yeah, but he's a West Point grad. I mean, he's a he's a well educated guy and took it upon himself to learn the Apache language. So he, and the, the he Apache not, liked him. He was not the typical uh, army soldier uh, or army officer of the time. What that took the opposite point of view that the best way of dealing with an Indian is to to kill him. Oh yeah, it's a. Uh, He's got a cool. Uh, he's got some Sergeant Elias to him, and not Sergeant Barnes from Platoon. I'll put it that way. Okay. So now, uh, unfortunately, the orders are Geronimo goes back to the reservations, dead or alive. So Geronimo winds up eventually surrendering him, but he credits Lawton, uh, Captain Harry Lawton of the Fourth Cavalry, for his tenacious pursuit. And goes, man, you guys just. You got me. All right, that's it. He he was getting tired. Is what it was. He yeah, almost, and this this pursuit was. No small endeavor because no, there were accounts that the Apaches were putting 70 miles in a day, and yet the Army was, you know, these guys were still chasing after them. I and mean, you're putting down 70 miles back then, either, either on foot or on horseback. Yeah, imagine the poor balls. <laughs> you're, you're, the poor you're balls right. being crushed to death. Your powder, baby. <laughs> That's where steak tartare came from. Do you know that? <laughs> I'm being sincere. The uh, steak tartare, what it was that the warriors uh, of the time would have to put their meat, um, they would take the fresh kills um, that they would have, and they'd put the meat in a bag underneath their saddle and ride on the meat all day. And then they would eat it um, at the end of the day. They didn't have time to cook. So that's where steak tartare came from. But anyway, um, he also, uh, as he's surrendering now, he gives credit to Lawton for his tenacious pursuit and then chooses to surrender to Gatewood. Because he liked him because the guy spoke Apache and he was admired by Geronimo's men for some of his gallantry. This was a good dude right here. So upon his capture, though, Geronimo had in his possession a Winchester 76 rifle that is still on display at West Point, the United States Military Academy. That's cool. And his Colt revolver and his Bowie knife, Jim Bowie, will be an American loser at some point on this show. He's one of my favorite Americans ever to read about. Wild dude. Um, They are both still on display in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. So this effectively ends Geronimo's days as a war raider, and he lived the remainder of his life as a prisoner of war. However, the legend continues to grow here, and the sort of a fondness for the Apache warrior begins to appear in some camps. They're like, well, it's like when uh, everyone's the devil when they're running against your candidate, uh, you know, for you know whatever. Le- and then as soon as the election's over, the person who loses, like, well, he wasn't really that bad, you know, he. He probably would have been okay. Had some good points. Had yeah. some qualities about him. Same way where it's like, I don't hate the New England Patriots, but if they had beaten the Giants in either one of those Super Bowls, I'd be like, I hate Tom Brady. I hope he dies. <laughs> but I don't. I, I kind of love those guys. So there's a weird fondness that's starting to show up here. And um, what I thought was interesting is this sounds like a dick move. Take the guy out of his ancestral home in the Arizona Territory. Uh, take him out of there and send him to Florida. Sounds mean, right, Ant? Yes. Yeah, you did a little college down there in Florida, right? A little right? college time, yeah. I did a little uh, military time over in Florida. Mine was uh, way rougher. I, I think so. <laughs> um, 
But we were both victim of uh, the, the Florida problem is that uh, Florida brings out this wildness in people. And it is egged on by the fact that you can buy beer at gas stations. At Walmart? Yep. 36 so. rack of <laughs> Keystone Light <laughs> was under 20 bucks. <laughs> it just uh, doesn't make sense. Nope. It's not supposed to happen. Right? <laughs> we tempted the fates. Uh, but... It's right next to the bath salts for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what ever gave them that idea. Uh, uh, but well, uh, part of that too, though. I mean, if they if they took him out of they captured him in Mexico and they're going to bring him back to Arizona. Mm-hmm. He's hated in Arizona because he's killing all the settlers and stuff in Arizona. That he probably would have been lynched uh, at best um, if he if they brought him back to Arizona. So the idea was, well, we're going to cool your cool your jets in Florida for two years and we'll we'll keep you in Florida for two years and then you'll be allowed to come back to the reservation and back to your ancestral homeland after two years that maybe things will calm down at that point. Guess what? The United States government screwed them. That they brought him to Florida and I don't know how many years was he in Florida? Well, it's tough because I want to unpack that a little bit more if we can. They bring him to, and it's done uh, with a supposedly noble intention, like you said, of getting him out of trouble with the Arizona uh, law enforcement. This is my favorite part if I think I know where you're going with this story. (laughs) So they send him to uh, Fort Dickens uh, in Pensacola. Now here's what sucks. They send him and a bunch of his Apache men and a bunch of the Apache scouts that helped find him. Right. They send all of them to Florida. These guys wind up in Pensacola. You ever been to Pensacola, Dad? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Pensacola? Yeah, I've been to Pennsylvania. Panhandle. Yeah, no, no, no. There's a big naval base there. Yeah, though. my friend. Uh, my uh, it's in, mostly an air base too. But my friend Emily Dillon is out there. She produced a comedy show that we used to go out there and do. Uh, it was like Jellyfish Cafe or some shit. But uh, it's very pretty. But I, I will say this: the twelve hours I stayed there, it's enough. <laughs> yeah. All right. So very nice out there. But uh, they bring him out to Pensacola, area, and then later they bring him to uh, a place called Fort Marion. Kahuna, um, Fort Marion was the uh, English name or the American name of this same fort that I'm going to ask you to pull up a picture of, buddy. Um, When I went down to Jacksonville the last time, I did an episode of the podcast from the road, and we covered a very uh, similar topic to a a badass Native American chief who was the head of the Seminole. And uh, he was known as um, – the, the chief at that time was known as Osceola. Okay, and he was held captive in the Castillo de San Marcos. Okay, so I can see it popped up there on the, the, the Google thing down, already. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but anyway, the Castillo de San Marcos, beautiful Spanish fort looking over Matanzas Bay, That's Massacre gorgeous. Bay, Massacre Murder Bay, Bay right? Um, and it is unbelievable. It's actually made out of crushed, uh, crushed seashell. That's what the uh, the entire fort is made up of. But beautiful fort over here. Uh, gorgeous place. True life. I did propose to my then fiance uh, over there one night. In a, Massacre a, Bay. A massacre in and of itself. Um. <laughs> next, time you, next time you tell the story of Massacre Bay, lead with that. That well, you were the guy who actually proposed there. Well, uh, I, I figure if I, ever, <laughs> if I ever get married again, I'm going to do it at Little Bighorn. I'm going to say, there can't possibly go worse <laughs> than what those poor bastards dealt with. Um, maybe but, this, maybe the, the, uh, the Salem witch trials. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, that might, that might don't be you be misogynist, Larry Burke? <laughs> um, so, no, beautiful place. If you can go down there and see it in St. Augustine, definitely go check it out. Uh, one of the most beautiful cities I've ever seen in my life. I, I truly love it every time I'm down there. But that's where poor Geronimo is getting brought into. Now, some of the uh, the Apache kids were giving accounts too that um, they were fast. This is the first time they're seeing the ocean. 
in their life because right out there in the bay they're watching the waves right. come in this is like gotta be supernatural shit to them so it wasn't just geronimo it was some of his men the two guys the two guys that were most responsible for finding him mm-hmm. well they arrest them besides i mean oh, they, what they the were hell? Out, throw them on a pile that's yeah. right <laughs> there were there were army scouts they were hired as army scouts to go find this guy they find they helped find him and then well we'll throw them in jail too this is where the heartbreak comes in. No way to spin this funny, all right? There's just no way on this one. But uh, they start dropping like flies out there. They're not used to the Florida humidity. They're coming from a dry heat, and they're just dropping these people. They don't know how to farm. They don't know what they're doing. Geronimo's given a small piece of farmland. He tries his hand. He gives it a, a legit he Gives go. it a shot. He didn't want to keep fighting anymore. Coming right? from Arizona, you don't do, know too much about malaria and those kind of uh, Florida yep. diseases as well. So... These guys are dropping like flies almost uh, – I mean, it's brutal. It's almost a bubonic plague-like toll that it's taking on these people. A lot of them are dying. Now, meanwhile, back in Arizona, uh, I forget what the age range is, but it's pretty much teenagers into high school age. All those kids in the Apache trap are sent to the Carlisle Indian Boarding School in Pennsylvania. And the school had some good things that it offered. It had some truly terrible things that it accidentally offered. Like you said, lack of knowledge about disease at the time. These kids die of tuberculosis faster than shit you've ever... I mean, it is... Again, it, it's the Black Death is coming And, and pneumonia, people. because now you're taking mm-hmm. uh, an Arizona who's never seen snow, and now you're sending them to Pennsylvania. Yep. And, and this is the one that kills you. They're cutting their hair off, and they're giving them English names. So your name is Steven now. And he right. goes, oh, I thought I was, uh, you know... <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> again, Whatever. I don't even want to make a joke about everything, that. Right everything now. was uh, uh, sanitized. There were, you had no... Uh, Apache identity. Your your Apache identity was to be scrubbed away. Well, um, there there was some interesting stuff here, though. So down in Florida, where um, the head of Osceola uh, disappeared, by the way. That's from another episode. Uh, someday we'll redo the Osceola episode, Kahuna, because the audio is terrible, I've been told. Mm. Um, wasn't your... No, no, wasn't your it, no, no. It, it was done. My, my buddy Jeff did it in, uh, in in a room in his house, and we tried to do it right there, but... I got you, man. We'll make that one of yeah. my days. You'll come in and we'll just do it. Yeah, we'll bang it out, man. Very easy. But uh, fascinating story about Osceola, but uh, his, he dies in this prison. So uh, imagine Geronimo gets there and they're like, oh, oh, hey, we had a famous Native American here one time too, bud, you know? Was, uh, <laughs> oh, what was his name? Osceola, real famous guy. Good, good Native American fellow, you know? What happened to him? Oh, he died. <laughs> yeah, of what? Right here. Same room as you. Isn't that spooky, Mr. Geronimo, <laughs> eh? So... Um, but, yeah, he uh, he died in there as well. Damn now, Geronimo uh, starts to pick there, – there's this desire for fame because Osceola is a legendary character in uh, St. Augustine at this point. People still search for his uh, his missing head. Somebody said it was uh, preserved in a pickle jar is what I was told. Um, anyway, so now there's this uh, – people want to see this, you know, the, the, the deadliest Indian of all. So they start getting the idea that some of these Florida businessmen, well, what if we pay Geronimo a little bit and he lets people come see him? He starts becoming – uh, a tourist attraction. Come see the legendary Geronimo. Geronimo. All right. Now, for a uh, small fee, you could come lay your eyes on it. For a slightly larger fee, you could take with you as a souvenir a button that Geronimo would cut off of his own jacket for you. Now, imagine every kid that's coming through or every person like, my God, Geronimo chose me. He reached out. He took the – he 
cut the button off and he handed me the I have one. There's only a finite amount of buttons. Right. That, that Geronimo actually wore. But what Geronimo would do is that when they would take him around on these tours, every time he went to a train station, he'd go, I need about a thousand buttons, please. <laughs> <laughs> and he would sew extra buttons onto his shirts so that he could cut one off and give. You know, Geronimo had his own merch table. He, it's, it's, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You hear that Mike and Ming out there at Comic-Con San Diego? There you go. Check out what our boy Geronimo's up to. What were we gonna say? Yeah, it's it's insane, right? Because I think it was a ten year period from which they start. Like he's a prisoner of war. He was slaughtering everybody. And hey, let's parade him around. Check out this new sideshow we have. It's absolutely insane. Right. I like while, to while, while he's being paraded around now, he's still under armed guard. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't like for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah I don't think I'm going to the, go to Philadelphia next week and you know. So he's on an unwilling live. tour, just the, like any other music artist. Right? <laughs> Essentially, yes. Okay, but the craziest thing ever. Uh, that I read is they they did like a bit where that you could watch Geronimo like kill a hunt a buffalo, and the people <laughs> the people that set it up had no idea Apache don't hunt buffalo. Well, we weren't the most informed if, people at if that time. Social media was around <laughs> yeah. back then; those people would be destroyed. Are you going to talk about how our man? Ted Roosevelt is involved in he this. He does get involved. He yep. does get now. There's oh, one of the part we got to hit, though. That was part of a parade. One of the part we got to hit about this because he is under armed guard, like we said, but he is he's able to travel a little bit. And he's able to make himself some money. So, in a weird way, so you're taking the guy who doesn't want confinement because he's got this nomadic lifestyle, and now he's able to travel a little bit. So you're you're meeting him halfway almost. All right, Geronimo is able to partake in the St. Louis World's Fair. He dressed in traditional garb and posed for photos. He was such a hit that Pawnee Bill, the fucking Pawnee Bill, was a, a good showman for the time. He was a friend of Buffalo Bill. He had the Wild West shows. He, and yeah, he was a. But that's the guy Ant was talking about, where he had no fucking clue what he was talking. <laughs> he was a B character to the uh, Wild Bill. Exactly. Uh, um, Buffalo Bill uh, show. So that's a cool photo. I did not see that one. Um, uh, it just got pulled up by the Kahuna. It's uh, I believe that's Geronimo showing up at the St. Louis World's Fair, and he's showing on a, up on a car. In a the 1905 locomobile, <laughs> yeah. which looks oddly like vehicle. a Jeep Wrangler. Um, <laughs> but uh, I want to hit this one point real quick here. It being brought into these Wild West shows, he's such a hit at the St. Louis World Fair that Pawnee Bill brings him in, and he is depicted as uh, Ant was saying as a tamed savage that would scalp the audience members if given just a chance. <laughs> so. The shows made him a lot of money, but the poor depiction of the Native Americans who were liars and cheats and steals and all this other stuff kind of tarnishes the show's legacies. They're not – they could have been something really great, that you're going to educate the entire rest of the world on what this group of people that are vanishing from American culture were all about. And we got it wrong. So that part sucks. Well, vanishing or we're eradicating. Yeah. It depends on Com your point of view, yeah. right? right. And, it's, uh, and we're doing everything we can to eradicate the Indians. Mm -hmm. And now we're parading them around that you can see one of the last few remaining uh, insane. Uh, famous Native Americans. And a lot of people were fascinated by I mean, I, growing up as a kid, I was fascinated by him. So you learn, you learn the adult side of the conversation when you're smart enough to handle it. If you sat me down and you were like, now, Kevin, I know you like Last of the Mohicans, but it's very important that we talk about how you know these people were slaughtered and diseases. I was like, I don't want to play this anymore. Go, I'm going to go play Mario Brothers. <laughs> now, Kevin... Don't judge all Italians as plumbers. <laughs> um, but anyway, this is where we get to. In this bizarre high water, low water mark for the man who yawns, he's invited to participate in the inaugural parade of a U.S. president. Did anyone guess it? Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, Cahoon's was on Did it. the Kahuna guess that the president who had 
uh, Geronimo and uh, I think it was four other Native Americans uh, of, of uh, high reputation in full war paint, full regalia, riding a horse down his inaugural presidential parade in 1905, Teddy motherfucking Roosevelt. All right? The king, Teddy motherfucking Roosevelt. Now, it's weird here because it's not necessarily a good interaction that he has with him. Geronimo is one of the five natives, yes, who gets brought into there. And when the parade route sees them, there's this enthusiastic response. There's literally, as Ant was saying, 10 years ago, this is the deadliest Indian of all, the, the scourge of the plains. And now they're chanting, hooray for Geronimo <laughs> over there. Because Washington's been settled for a long time now. They're like, they're excited. Like, ooh, the Wild West is coming here to us. This is great. It's like when I go see Pearl Jam. I've seen Pearl Jam enough times in enough different towns that I know every town is Eddie Vedder's favorite town to play. I got to tell you people of... Memphis, Tennessee, it's just beautiful to be back here in our favorite city, <laughs> Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> you people of Philadelphia, you don't know what you do to us. Check out this photo I just pulled up. This is the the Six Indians chief at the inaugural parade. Oh, that's cool, man. That's really cool. We got to start putting more of these up. Yeah, you know, but that's, again, that's so disparaging to the Native Americans. It's like putting the... Uh, it's awful. They made Mickey the, Mouse the, the dancing The dancing bear, right, going down the Pennsylvania yeah. Avenue. Well, you know what the intention was? One of the newspapers reported that the intention was to show that it was the, the hatchet was buried forever, that it was time to, you know, we, we're going to move on together. And um, to his credit, T.R. would meet with Geronimo a few weeks later. And while he did grant him a cordial audience, he denied his request. And this was a heartfelt request from Geronimo, who was not like a warm guy. But he was saying that uh, he wanted um, his people to go back to their ancestral lands in Arizona. And he said, he goes... Well, I mean, no. <laughs> all right, can't send you back because he was afraid that, okay, well, we just had this whole thing where we're burying the hatchet and I got all these other problems I'm worrying about. We're expanding America because that's the, the Gilded Age of America, really. Right. I mean, that, that Teddy Roosevelt, that, that's Manifest Destiny is at its, um, uh, I mean, biggest strength at the time. So uh, he can't have them go back there because he's afraid that the Arizona people are going to go crazy after him, that the natives, I should say, are going to rally around Geronimo. Right. The settlers are going to want revenge for the shit that was done to their families. It could get real ugly real fast. And he literally says, he goes, no, Geronimo, because uh, you – he said this through an interpreter. This, is, this one bugged me a little. You have a bad heart. You were bad Indians out there. You killed a lot of my people. He goes, I'm going to have to see. You go out back to your reservations for a couple of years, and I'll see how you behave kind of a thing. Right. Like, we'll talk about this at a later date. Right. So. But, and I think, too, part of it is that what's playing well for Geronimo – on Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. might not necessarily get the same warm reception with the crowds cheering for him if he was in Tucson, Arizona. Oh, absolutely. You know, that, that's, yeah. Yeah, the, um, if bin Laden did spoken word poetry, he'd be you know, welcome in some circles. Right. I've been trying to think who that modern person is, but because like, you're always good at comparing, like, oh, that's like if today, and I got nobody. Wow, with your mom. Geronimo's case is as far as like trying to find yeah like modern day like that would be like in ten years we're gonna parade them around right Jesus <laughs> I mean he's a, he's a terrorist but it, one man's sense. terrorist is another it man's is. freedom fighter yeah. he's he's looking to defend his people and defend his uh, native lands now here's where it was interesting too he actually was quoted all th- he would say certain things to certain people so if he spoke to the Apache he would say oh I still maintain the religion of our ancestors. And then if he was talking to white people, like, he goes, I like this Christian religion. Actually, in his book, he um, there was ever like a paragraph out of it that said, 
uh, in his later years in life, he would try to talk people into becoming Christian. That he actually like he, really there's there's truth to both sides of what he's saying uh-huh. too, which is great. I think um, I think Geronimo was also playing his audience too. That depending on who he's talking to, uh-huh. um, is going to be you know whether he's going to be pro Apache with the uh, the religion of the old ways, or we're going to go with this new. Uh, white man Christian kind of a thing. Correct. Now, the ancient uh, Native American spiritualism told him, uh, as Ant was telling us earlier, no white man's bullet will ever kill you, or no bullet will ever kill you. He's right. If only they'd warned him about falling off your fucking horse in the winter. (laughs) Falls off his horse. Old man at this point. Okay. Married nine times, like we said. Um, Falls off of his horse and uh, can't get back onto the horse, can't get back into town. He has to stay out in the cold overnight and gets pneumonia. All right. So uh, on February 17th, 1909, his wife, furious at all nine wives, angry <laughs> at no Valentine's Day gift that year. <laughs> um, they're furious. I mean, I, I believe his last wife was still alive at this point, but um, he dies of pneumonia. He dies in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, still far away from his natural lands. Um, and he dies. His dying words to his nephew on his deathbed were, I never should have surrendered. I should have fought until I was the last man alive. So he regretted it. He just didn't have the strength anymore to continue the fight. Geronimo is honored with three cities in three different states being named after him. Uh, the U.S. airborne paratroopers began yelling his name as they jumped out of airplanes in order to show that they, like Geronimo, had no fear. Right. So That he, was back in 1939, pre-World War II, when paratroopers were first coming in as a... Uh, an army force, a military force. Um, there was a movie entitled, guess what, Geronimo, that uh, all these trainees were watching this movie and then they decided that's that's a pretty badass guy right there, that well, he, ha- he had no fear. So as they're jumping out of a perfectly good airplane, they're screaming Geronimo and that's where the whole, you know, you got to yell, you got to yell Geronimo as you're Jumping off the, the high dive. And in the military, the we're, we're very fond of uh, Native Americans. There's Tomahawk missiles. There's Black Hawk helicopters, Apache helicopters. I mean, we, we kind of – the military uh, absorbs that and shows kind of a respect for it. And it's always done in a very good way too. Uh, another thing with the, the paratroopers is that they would also – a lot of them would shave their heads into Mohawks. Right. Which was a Native American tradition. So there's one last thing we got to get to here, Cajona. I know we're keeping you up late, brother. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take care of you on the way out. All right? Don't worry he, about it. He who yawns is yawning. That's a <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wasn't the man who yawns today. This was a no. That's correct. That's a so. I do apologize if that tends to happen. No, it's shut the... up, jerk. <laughs> uh, here's the part where your jaw is gonna drop. You ready? His story does not end there. The man is dead. The story is not over. There is a conspiracy theory that continues to this day that the skull of Geronimo is in possession of the Skull and Bone Secret Society at Yale. Skull and Bones, by the way, that's a secret society that churns out almost exclusively CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and presidents of the United States. At one time, John Kerry and George W. Bush were running against each other. It was the only time in the history of the United States that both men were members of Skull and Bones running against one another. Okay? Now, the Bush family... Uh, George W. Bush was uh, a member of Skull and Bones. George H. W. Bush was a member of Skull and Bones. And Prescott Bush, the father, all right, was also a member of Skull and Bones. Guess where Prescott Bush was stationed during World War One? Where? Fort Sill, Oklahoma, which is where Geronimo is buried. 
Okay, and the uh, if you believe this, uh, there was a letter that was given out uh, that was found by uh, people who were looking into skull and bones because to this day we don't know shit about skull and bones, but uh, it is rumored that the quote skull of the worthy Geronimo the Terrible is in the possession of skull and bones that it's part of one of their rituals that. There is a skull that you have to talk to and admit like your sins to, and they say that it might be the skull of Geronimo. The idea being that Prescott Bush and uh, I believe six other Skull and Bones members were all assigned as guards in the cemetery out in Fort Sill during World War I, uh, that they were able to uh, grave rob, if you will. So there's the idea that um, – and that there was lawsuits that were filed about this. Now get this one. This one always makes me laugh a little bit. Due to the club's secrecy, it's never been proven nor disproven. Uh, people who looked into it, they said there's no evidence to show that Geronimo's body was taken. It should all be in the same spot. Now, Geronimo's family members and ancestors are going to write to the president to find out some answers for this. Guess who's the fucking president at the time? <laughs> hey, um, did your grandfather steal our great-grandfather's head? <laughs> oh, no. Can we have that back? <laughs> and, and they never received a response as far as... I did not way. steal your, your grandfather's <laughs> head. <laughs> That's pretty good. Is that, is that what that... That's a candle over there. We have two candles sticking out. That... Martha, that candle holder is actually. Do you <laughs> right. believe this? That's not a Halloween decoration. <laughs> well, what do you know? Grandpappy's old decoration wasn't a fucking decoration. Oh man, but uh, should probably whether... give that back. <laughs> yeah, and, and Geronimo's gravesite at Fort Sill has now since been um, capped over with uh, concrete, big, big thick concrete kind of a thing. So mm -hmm. it's going to be so very, very, very difficult for anybody to use. Uh, did the same with um, Charlie Chaplin. Ground penetrating radar or whatever to see what's what's actually in the in the gravesite. Well, wherever his remains uh, wind up, it has done nothing to challenge his legacy or his legend. The uh, the leader of the Apache Resistance, uh, a name that we've all known forever, and hopefully, if you listen to the full episode, you learned a little bit more about guys. Um, I, I thought he was fascinating. I was so happy. So, LP, do you have any other points before we wrap up here for the day? No, I think that's. Uh Pretty good, uh, pretty good thing. I got one little, little thing here that uh, that General Miles, when he was chasing after Geronimo, trying to catch up with him, that was one of the first times that they actually used uh, the heligraph. You know what a heligraph is? No. You watch the cowboy movies when they're taking the mirror and they're they're flicking the, oh, into no the shit. sunlight back and forth, sending messages. <laughs> that's a, that's a holograph that they're actually doing Morse code with the dots and dashes with the with the reflection of the mirror that they could, you know, send messages without. Uh, and those without mirrors were made in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> we were. You no, were, I haven't been able to come up with that one. But no, when, uh, when I thought we that was were, pretty cool. But when you guys were talking about how they were pursuing Geronimo before, I d just. In my head, I couldn't stop hearing the Blues Brothers music. <laughs> like, just like, yeah. they send everybody after him and they can't catch him. It was All to save. You can visit his grave, by the way. It's still out there for so uh, Kahuna's brought a photo up of it. Um, and did you think of anything else you wanted? Because you had some good shit today, brother. Thank you. Uh, no, nothing else. The only other thing I would say is I'm not sitting in the seat again on my fourth time because I keep looking at that pinup girl on the wall with the Spider-Man bikini on. Yeah, that's a, it's a picture of my sister, actually. Super <laughs> distracting. being weird right now. Is that where you get your redhead thing it's from? A, uh, <laughs> no. Sorry. Uh, it's all good. It's uh, it's visual jokes in the audio medium of podcasting, folks. Um, Kahuna, I want to say thank you for staying out late with us here today, buddy. Um, of course. I want to say thank you to uh, LP for coming out. I know you got shit to do tomorrow here. 
A lot of good research as always. This yawning man always loves to come hang out. No, you're good. You're good. You're fun that way, man. (laughs) And uh, Anthony Cianci, thank you so much, buddy. You're always welcome on the show. I can't wait to have you and your father back on. That's going to be a good one. Thank you guys for having me. Like we said, if you enjoy the show, go ahead. Just leave me a review on iTunes. Whatever you can do there. We're trying to keep this thing rolling. We just need a little bit more support from you. So if you like the show, maybe share it. Check me out on Facebook, KP Burke on there. Uh, Twitter at KP Burke Sucks. Instagram at KP Burke Sucks. American Loser Podcast has its own Instagram page now. If you want to check us out on there, if you subscribe, you're going to get the episodes early. Okay. I'm trying to come up with some weird perk here, but I don't really want to be charging people for anything just yet. And, you know, we're, we're, we're working on it. All right. But the more help <laughs> right. you can give me on the ground level, the more I can reward you guys when we get somewhere with this thing. But again, it's an absolute blast. If you're down with the show, God damn it, do we love you. Thank you so much. All right, uh, guys, my name was KP Burke, and that was Geronimo, American Loser. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born.